One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Today I want to talk uh, about notions of social mobility and uh, this uh, often hard to define idea of the American dream in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. As we know, before the Second World War, um, really up to 1940, America had uh, found it more difficult than any other advanced nation in the world to shake off the Great Depression. The memories of economic crisis and depression were writ large in the American psyche, and there were all sorts of acute anxieties at the end of the Second World War that America might indeed go back into uh, depression. The standards of living that American people achieved in the mid to late 1940s were significantly higher than war-ravaged Europe and bankrupt Great Britain. And there was um, a belief that uh, America had managed somehow to uh, buck the trend of um, 20th century history, which was, up until that point, a crisis. America represented to the GIs returning um, a land of opportunity. It very much depended on whether you're black or white, of course. Um, And with the uh, massive state intervention of the GI Bill and uh, other um, huge areas of of state spending, there was um, uh, perfect conditions for economic boom. Not only had America captured world markets during the war and competitors have been eliminated for at least one, if not two, generations, particularly Germany and Japan, but also the fading powers of the British uh, and the French um, were going to uh, open up vistas of opportunity to America, hitherto unforeseen. In the late 1940s, there was a widespread belief in the American dream, in that the uh, the American dream, I suppose, one can refer to really as social and economic mobility. Americans in the late 40s did earn more than their parents' generation had uh, on the whole. Life expectancy had increased, um, life and opportunities were uh, more plentiful, 
there was greater availability of food, of health care, um, the uh, living conditions overall for most Americans had improved and so had wages and the opportunity to save and invest. By 1945, total personal savings for Americans were $140 billion. Beyond the simple kind of rags-to-riches fantasies that really not a great deal of people ever really entertain, there was an overall sense of well-being of a society that was improving in prosperity and that was socially cohesive. It wasn't a society that was deeply egalitarian. It was a society that was uh, that believed itself to be uh, meritocratic. It was a society that uh, believed um, the, the, the narrative that hard work and ingenuity and effort would eventually pay off and be rewarded and that each by his own efforts um, would succeed. And the um, belief that um, <clears throat> there was a meritocratic society was at some, in some ways incompatible with but at some at sometimes coexisted with the existence of cl- a clearly stratified society based on um, strong notions of hierarchy and social class, and it would be this uh, abundance, this material wealth, that would start to change the nature of work in the post-war era. The idea that work was simply labour in order to fund. A, a lifestyle or a, a subsistence in some cases um, in the 50s, 60s and 70s would eventually become replaced for a vast swathes of the population by the notion that work was uh, about vocation, about career, uh, about satisfaction, about the expression of self. This had all normally being the preserve of a, a very lucky few. This becomes um, part of um, the experience of an entire population in the post-war era in America and becomes embedded with in ideas of popular culture. And this perhaps explains how by the 1970s and then 1980s you get a much more individualistic culture uh, a much more, some some might even say, narcissistic culture uh, based around notions of, of the self. But in its essence, this faith in the uh, American dream was uh, another iteration of the ideas of the uh, American Revolution um, when uh, supposedly um, fundamental change happened when um, the, the, the British were removed and the rule of King George and the third was ended. Um, the reality is that there there was no particular social revolution to uh, accompany uh, the war of independence. But ideas of uh, equality uh, and um, social um, betterment uh, uh, were given fertile breeding ground in America. If even if in the reality, since the late eighteenth century was that, in many instances, they didn't take root. They were able to take root in the post-war era in a kind of a a brief historical window between the 40s and the 70s because there was the material abundance for them to be able to do so.
This window probably closed in the late 1970s, or began to close in the late 1970s, after a decade of oil shocks, inflation, rising unemployment and social crisis. And the, um, the, the dream or the desire or the persistent belief that it is an age that will return has, has not left um, America or American society ever since. You can probably find versions of this in uh, most other uh, first world countries. Certainly most of Europe experienced uh, a uh, radical improvement in living circumstances in the 50s to the 70s um, and there has been a kind of what Tony Judd in his book Post-War describes as the era of the recessional from uh, the 70s through to the 90s and this uh, era of diminished expectations. Uh, as people look back fondly on this, what we uh, Western societies collectively see as a kind of rather rather mythical golden age of um, uh, material well-being. Famously, in sort of our popular narratives about uh, America and uh, the America of the 20th century, it is the energy of immigrants that brings around uh, so much uh, prosperity. And the Prosperity was particularly enjoyed, as previously mentioned, by um, the white uh, suburban middle classes of America because they were the ones who enjoyed the mainstay of uh, political and social and civil rights. Uh, they had the, the benefits of political representation uh, that black and other ethnic minorities didn't. And the combination of uh, material boom, a uh, boom in material living standards, along with adequate political representation and a sense that one's own social group owns this society and is the, is the dominant force within the society, led to a, a sense of um, optimism and a sense of uh, positivity that probably wasn't shared by people from ethnic minorities who were not benefiting in quite the same ways. And this segregation of opportunity was something that would store up deep resentments um, and f through the 1940s and 50s uh, and be one of the kind of the, the powering forces of the civil rights movement. Of course, black soldiers fought in the Second World War with just the level of courage and sacrifice that their white counterparts did, even though a great many were actually kept out of frontline service, they still returned with a sense that they had uh, overthrown fascism and Japanese imperialism. And it was these sacrifices that black Americans believed uh, entitled them to a share of the prosperous post-war America that was now emerging. Not only had they fought on um, everywhere from Nor Normandy to the Pacific, but also black Americans had worked in the munitions industries and the shipbuilding industries and the aircraft industries and all the other um, vital uh, war production that had made America the arsenal of the world. 
part of the new era of social optimism was based around home ownership. Between the 1940s and the 1970s, 20% of Americans changed home every year. Just to give you uh, an example of the uh, amount of economic activity that was invested within the, uh, the property market. So overall, despite the fact that um, social mobility wasn't a given for all people, and that in many cases um, there were Americans who didn't uh, change their circumstances from one generation to the next, the fact that there was a widespread belief that this was possible um, counts for an awful lot. This shapes um, the, uh, the optimism of uh, post-war America and it makes the uh, idea that uh, America was a society that was worth sacrificing for and fighting for and defending against external threats such as uh, communism um, a, a very compelling one. Science and technology and the uh, notion of progress uh, through science and through the uh, better understanding of um, the laws of uh, the universe and of nature and of physics uh, and the um, ability but through uh, the use of science and engineering to exploit the natural world was also part of um, the uh, optimistic view of uh, this this era. Uh Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so science and technology in, in general, even though... Uh, the workings of much of it were uh, a mystery to, to many Americans, was uh, established in popular consciousness um, as being a, a source of, of, of great power and force uh, and uh, a force for good by the war. Um, not only had science and technology been employed um, to fight the war in ways that have hitherto been unimagined, but the war had been ended by atomic power. Um, the dropping of the two atomic bombs on Hiroshima was 
seen, had a, a kind of widespread uh, public approval and was seen as being ultimately something that was justified and that uh, had brought uh, the war to an end before many, many more people, particularly hundreds of thousands of American soldiers, would have had to have died uh, seizing the Japanese home islands. This was seen as a kind of a, a, wor- uh, as a sacrifice worth making. Um, the bombing of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki raised few objections in post-war uh, America. Popular culture represented or echoed a fascination with all things atomic. Uh, the revelation that um, the uh, inner workings of atoms, the building blocks of the universe, were um, capable of rendering immense power and, and energy um, was a, a huge and a hugely uh, fascinating uh, and, and compelling notion uh, in an era where much of the the kind of the uh, advances in sciences, the beginning of the twentieth century, uh, widespread were kind of fairly poorly uh, understood. Medicine and the idea that um, there were um, panaceas now available to all diseases, all diseases could be cured uh, through uh, antibiotics. Uh, and other um, now easily available and manufacturable um, uh, pharmaceuticals was, again, it becomes almost kind of like an an article of faith. It enables um, all conditions to be um, medicalised and treated uh, medically. And this has profound implications for uh, psychiatry and for um, the uh, treatment of um, mentally ill people through psychotherapy and the uh, the idea that um, doctors and institutions particularly were capable of fixing uh, particularly the, the, the mentally ill through the, the latest um, psychiatric or pharmaceutical, pharmacological uh, interventions. Uh, the reality of course is that um, individuals who uh, wound up in this system often found themselves robbed of any agency, uh, robbed of uh, any uh, any rights, as you know Ken Kesey's "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest" would would tend to suggest. So overall, there is a kind of a deep faith in progress, uh, a notion that progress is possible. It's a a notion that in uh, our times we might look back on and see as being naive or questionable, but we don't exist within the the same historical context. Um, And most of our kind of uh, discourses, our ideas about what is true, what is not, what is possible, what is not, are socially constructed, and they are based within the set of economic and social relations that exist at the time. So it's, it's, it's kind of easy for us to scoff about this kind of Jetson's vision of the future, but the reality is is that our discourses are historically specific. Of course people would believe these kinds of things at the time, and to some extent they were right, up until the fact, uh, up up until the point where they're not. In education, 
there was um, a clear um, evidence of um, the uh, of this, this faith in the idea of you know endless vistas of, pro- of progress. Uh, the public school system within America um, had been an institution of mixed success prior to the war. By 1940, for example, um, only a third of uh, the 74.8 million uh, American adults who were 25 years or over had gone to school beyond the 8th grade. Um, Only a quarter were high school graduates, one twelfth graduated uh, from uh, from four-year colleges or from universities. Teenagers um, at that time were staying in school um, longer than their uh, elders had, but only 49% of 17-year-olds graduated from high school. Um, and this is, uh, f- there are far worse stats when you look at uh, black children um, in southern states who are learning in poorly financed uh, institutions and um, they were being um, uh, taught by poorly paid and poorly trained teachers, some teachers who were earning less than uh, $600 a year. Um, the the war doesn't change all that much. Um, wartime interruptions uh, meant that a slightly smaller cohort of 17-year-olds graduated from high school in 1946 uh, than had done before the war began. But there were 350,000 teachers had um, left their jobs to fight in the war or work in uh, other fields. And the US in general, uh, by 1940, had was spending a smaller proportion of national income on schools than Britain or the Soviet Union. Um, by 1945, by the end of the war, the um, the morale of the teaching profession was at an all-time low, and by 1946 there were strikes um, planned on a, a, a scale that had never been seen in America uh, before. Um, there were significant changes, however, to education uh, from 1944 onwards with the GI Bill of Rights. Uh, This was a a very broad piece of legislation. It um, uh, not only did it offer uh, finance to uh, veterans to offer them um, homes to return to at uh, almost zero interest loans uh, and to set up businesses, but it also gave the opportunity to um, veterans who wanted to educate themselves. So veterans would be given $65 a month for single veterans and 90 for those with children or partners, uh, and the maximum would be of $500 a year would be given for tuition and books. So there was a significant sum of money at the time. Um, and this has, this affects an entire generation of men returning from the war and uh, has a, a massive knock-on effect uh, throughout the, the post-war era. These are, for the most part, relatively young men returning home, who have many years uh, of uh, life in America uh, ahead of them. Um, The GI programme runs till 1956. 7.8 million veterans 
which were half of all who'd served had taken part. 2.2 million went to college, 3.5 million to technical schools uh, below college level, and 700,000 went to agricultural um, college and worked on and uh, trained on farms. $14.5 billion um, was injected into the education system between 1944 and 1956, and this led to an educational boom. Um, there were, uh, there were uh, waves of uh, men who went into uh, colleges and uh, schools and universities, uh, some were actually overwhelmed by the number of subscriptions uh, for their courses. Uh, and of course, all these institutions suddenly found huge inflows of cash into their coffers. And um, the culture of many colleges and universities began to dramatically change. Many had been uh, used to dealing with uh, the upper middle classes, who were the only people who could previously have afforded to go to university, and upper middle class, mainly men, who had cam- come with uh, pre-prepared with a set of uh, cultural and um, political and social assumptions. And now there were wave after wave of mainly work, working or lower middle class um, students um, who had already had the life experience of going to war, who had all sorts of technical skills, knowledge, know-how and experience, and who were probably not going to be um, taught or dealt with in quite the same way. Many uh, took up vocational or um, business-related courses and wanted things that would be uh, practical for them to develop their lives in uh, post-war America. Um, and it was uh, an enormous boon to America's post-war economy, one of the most uh, strategically um, long-lasting and important and uh, influential and significant um, acts that the American government took in uh, the post-war era. Um, it provided, uh, as I said, generations of uh, Americans with um, the skills to become um, significant uh, actors within the economy. However, much of this was segregated. It predominantly and overwhelmingly benefited white Americans and major, and black Americans were almost exclusively marginalised from the GI Bill. Overall, uh, between 1944 and 1950, uh, spending per pupil, uh, not um, GI, returning GIs, but uh, normal uh, high school students, doubled. And the increase of um, students graduating from high school um, was remarkable. By 1970, for example, 75.6% of 17-year-olds were graduating and uh, 48% of 18-year-olds were enrolling in a college or a, a university. So America, in the post-war era, became a society for which education became far more a central part of American life than it had been uh, previously in the, uh, the, the pre-war years. Anyway, I hope you found this useful and interesting, and I'll be back later on, hopefully this week, with uh, another instalment of the of the podcast. Um, stop by our Facebook group if you can. There's also always an interesting chat going on there, and it'd be great to, to know what you've made of this podcast on the American Dream. So give us your views, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, all the best. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 